Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of We Do Talk About That Here. We're the advocates from Safe Place Sexual Assault Center, and we started this podcast as a way to talk about subjects that might normally be considered taboo. We often hear things like, that's a sensitive subject, or we can't talk about that here. But during this podcast, nothing is off the table. We are not doctors, psychologists, or attorneys. We're just advocates from a sexual assault center who think it's time to talk about sensitive subjects. So please consult a medical therapist or legal professional for advice on any of these topics. This is Regina and Irina, and we have a very special guest today. Sean Holtel from Empowered Paths Health Coaching is here, and today we'll be talking about alternative therapies for healing from trauma. Sean is a certified yoga therapist and Ayurvedic health counselor. After working with veterans coping with chronic pain and PTSD for several years, she opened Empowered Paths Health Coaching in Batesville, Indiana, where she currently practices. She is fascinated by yoga's multiple layers of wisdom and believes that although they are ancient sciences, yoga and Ayurveda offer the perfect roadmap for modern day living. Sean supports clients on their own wellness journeys. Utilizing the philosophy and physical practices of yoga, she empowers them to access their own innate healing abilities. And we're so, so excited to have Sean on the show here today, and I can't wait to dig into this topic. So Sean, can you tell us a little bit more about Empowered Paths Health Coaching and what you do? Sure. Um, well, it's it's great to be here. And first of all, I just like to thank you, Regina and Irina, for what you guys do. Um, it's it's a it's a big job. I do know that. So, um, and I'm very grateful that you're here in our community and for the surrounding area for our, for our, your clients. Thank you. Um, Empowered Paths um, started about. I'd say four, four years ago now. And I I started it after working in Indianapolis with veterans. Uh, That was, it was part of my yoga therapy training to work with these research studies with veterans, trying to determine if yoga was a good way for them to begin healing from their experiences, either with PTSD or with chronic pain. And most of the time, those two went hand in hand. They really weren't, they weren't separate. Um, So I was able to really witness some of these people just really grasp the tools of yoga and use them to integrate back into their everyday life and find some joy in life again without being pulled back into their traumas constantly and beginning a new relationship with the experiences that they had that caused them the trauma that they were experiencing. So after that time period, um, I, you know, I started the, the research studies were over and I came back to work in town. And although, you know, I was, I was working with veterans who had some very severe um, symptoms and experiences, I knew that these tools could help anybody that was willing to learn them. Um, most of us have been through something in our life. And if we're able to use these tools of yoga, they, they give us the skills to, like I said, overcome kind of what we've been through. And I think it helps to kind of set up um, what trauma actually is. 
actually define it a little bit. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So when, when we experience something that is considered trauma, it basically means it's something that our body and our psyche is, is not able to process. It's something so overwhelming that our sense of safety is compromised. So once we, once we pass that experience or experiences, sometimes, you know, like I said, everybody is really different and, and has different, different experiences in their lives. And what has been traumatic for one person may not be traumatic for another person. You guys know Mm -hmm. that very well. Um, And depending on somebody's life, they may have been born into trauma, born into traumatic experiences, and they may not know what it's like to not live in those traumatic um, circumstances. So once the, once the body becomes overwhelmed in that way, it responds. It's going to respond by being hypervigilant. Our nervous system is very brilliant. It is, you know, it's made to protect us. And when, when the body receives those signals of danger that we may not be safe, um, the nervous system is on high alert. And that doesn't go away overnight because, you know, primitively those dangers didn't go away overnight. So if we're being triggered over and over again, and the nervous system is being shot into hypervigilance all the time, that kind of becomes the norm that, that becomes the norm of where our system is used to being. Um, so that is kind of, you know, just setting, setting up what trauma is, what the trauma response is, the, the trauma response is, is the response of our nervous system trying to protect us from what has happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that becomes maladaptive. So what we wanna do with the tools of yoga and Ayurveda, they work hand in hand, is, is build the skills of re-educating the body and how to, um, how to be safe. And if we view that trauma response as, as brilliant and it's trying to protect us, we begin to have a different relationship with that trauma response. It's very easy to be scared of a trauma response. When somebody starts going into a panic attack it is very ungrounding and feels like you're very much out of control. But if we take a step back and we realize my body is trying to protect itself with this response and have that relationship with what's, what's happening in the body, then we're able to use the tools of yoga to, to shift that nervous system response. So that's kind of how we, how we work within the, the yoga therapy aspect of, of working with trauma. Um, I I have a quick question and I'm not really familiar with the practice of yoga kind of in general. Um, So I'm curious, what is the difference between the, this trauma focused or trauma informed yoga, and then the yoga that you can just go to the yoga studio, you know, to practice. Right. That's a good, yeah, that's a good question because it's a different focus what we've really focused on in the West is the physical aspect of yoga and the physical exercise aspect Mm -hmm. of yoga, which is a very, very, very small piece of it. That's a very small piece of yoga. And in my opinion, all yoga should be trauma informed. 
we all should have all, all yoga teachers should have some trauma informed training. And I think, think we are moving toward that. The, the realization that we need it and the, and the realization of the benefits that come from it are, they're being known in the yoga world here in the West now. So, you know, when, when, when I'm teaching a, a class, which in my mind, I'm, I always have that trauma informed in my background because I never know who's going to walk into a group class. Right. It could be somebody who um, really looks like they have everything together and inside they have been holding on to a lot. So there are never any assumptions made on what, what somebody may be going through. So in, in like a group class, I like to, to inform people what I'm going to, what I'll be asking them to do and ask them to only do what feels good in their body. And they're in charge of whatever they feel is right or isn't right for their body. I pay attention to where the, op- where the door openings are in the building um, to, to be sure nobody's back is to a door. All those little things that would make somebody feel uncomfortable. We try our best, our very best to provide a safe container. You know, it's, it's pretty impossible for us to have a complete safe space in a group class, but we do the very best we can on setting that up for, for the participants to feel safe. And I, I work mainly with people one-on-one now when we, when I worked with the veterans, we did work in group, a group setting. So, um, we did a lot of education beforehand, like our whole first two classes were on education on what yoga, what, what we're going to be doing, what we're going to be, um, practicing together and why we would be practicing these things together. I think the why behind what we're doing is very important. If we don't explain to somebody why we're moving the body in certain ways or why we're breathing in certain ways, then it's not going to land. You know, we want to know the why, especially people who um, have been through experiences where they're not feeling safety. Right. So, so that therapy, that therapy includes like respiration techniques, uh, exercise techniques, And what else? What other uh, type of things include that therapy? Well, within yoga therapy, Mm -hmm. there are several, several skills that we can teach. One of the main ones is the respiration, like you said, or pranayama, which we call, we talk, that's what we call it in yoga therapy, Mm -hmm. is the, the, the modulation of the breath in specific ways. And one of the main reasons that we do that is that our breath is a direct link to our nervous system. So the way we breathe, the way in which we breathe controls what our nervous system is feeling. We can shift our nervous system from a hypervigilant state to a rest, renew, heal state in a very short amount of time with, with the way we breathe, breathing in certain ways. We also move the body in very specific ways for the same reason, the way and the way we move our body. And I, I like to differentiate this too from exercise in the typical way we think of exercise into mm-hmm. more um, nervous system reeducation, the way we move the body. And 
we wouldn't might not necessarily consider it exercise because it's not like we're we're strengthening or stretching muscles, but we're moving the body in a way that informs the nervous system that it's safe. So the education of this, the, the piece of the education of why we're doing these things are really important because if I ask somebody to very slowly raise their hands as they inhale and very slowly lower their hands as they exhale, if I don't explain to somebody why we're doing that and how it affects the nervous system, then they're gonna say, oh my gosh, this, what in the heck are we doing? <laughs> you know, this isn't doing anything. Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. So that's the, why the education piece is so important. Um, and there's a, there's a lot more to the movement practice than exercise. So usually how many, uh, how many sessions a person will need? I mean, or how many therapies, classes, you know, a person will need to improve? That varies a lot. And it varies on how quick okay. someone is able to pick up the, the, the practices and then how often they practice them at home. Because my goal is to to educate them on these skills, number one, why we do them. And then number two, the skills themselves. And then for them to be able to use them at home to re-educate their body so that when they're out in the world and they may have an experience that um, might be a little uncomfortable for them, they're able to move through them with more grace with the tools. Because once you learn them, for the most part, a lot of them you can use anywhere. You can use just, you know, out in public and nobody would know you're even, even using them. So it really varies widely. I have people that come once and they pick up some breathwork practices and some movement practices and they feel a whole lot more ease. And then that's all. I have other people that I see, you know, maybe once a week for a while, then maybe once a month for two years. So it really just depends on the person how, um, how they're able to integrate the practices into their everyday life. I've been like reading and researching some about traumatic experiences and chronic pain sufferers, mm-hmm. how those can be linked and people don't have any idea that, you know, the, the pain and maybe their joints or elsewhere in their body can be directly related to a traumatic experience they had in the past. Can you speak a little bit to that and about how, how your practice would focus on, I guess, helping with that chronic pain? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it is directly linked, directly linked. Anything that we go through um, in our emotional processes ends up in our physical body. And it just, it, just a quick example of this, Say you, um, say you heard a really loud noise really quickly. Immediately, you can feel your body tense up. Maybe your shoulders go up towards your ears a little bit. So that's a physical response to what's happened. You know, you heard it audibly, but it can be anything. It could just be, um, you know, somebody that you are very uncomfortable with walking into the room. It can be a, a multitude of things that happen in that body, especially during those traumatic experiences. Your body responds. Your body usually tenses up and clamps down, sometimes disassociates, you know, like everybody is different. Everybody is going to respond differently to the, to a trauma that may be very similar. Um, but it's man, it manifests in the body. 
So if we are going through the same thing, our body is responding to that with contraction, then the body learns to hold that contraction. It learns to hold those shoulders up toward the ears. If we're, if we're constantly scared or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, the front line of the body, the whole front line of the body, if we are in a trauma reflex, we contract down. So our shoulders contract down, our front line body kind of comes in. Um, and then our head may come up. So we, so like I said, what, depending on what's happening to us, our muscular structure forms around that and it can cause chronic pain in the body. Once those muscles are contracted and they're held tight, the muscle brain connection goes away. It's like the muscle gets the message of this strong input to hold the contraction right there. So the brain's like, okay, we can prune those, we can prune those um, little connections because we don't need them anymore. That muscle knows it needs to, it needs to hold tight. So one of the, one of the practices I use in my yoga therapy, therapy practice is somatics. So it's the very slow conscious movement of these muscles to rebuild that brain muscle connection so that that, that, that muscular tension that's held can be released to its relaxing tonus, whatever that is. And sometimes we'll come into that muscle and we'll just think we need to stretch it, but there's no awareness in it. So it's held chronically tense and then we just push it down or we pull it down. So basically we're, we're just damaging the muscle. So at that point, stretching is not helpful for us. We need to bring the, the awareness into the muscle first before we can relax it. Um, and that's done. It's more brain work than it is muscle work. Again, we have to get out of that thought of physical exercise. Um, so that's kind of how I work with chronic pain for the most part. It's more about releasing those muscles that have been trained to be on guard, to be tensed up. So that's usually how I work with chronic pain in the body. And it, and it, and it directly correlates to whatever somebody has been going through in their, in their life. Um, something you said, just circling back real quick, you said you do brain work rather than always exercise or, sh or strengthening work. What does that look like? That brain work? Ooh, if you want, we can do a little practice at the end. I, <laughs> I would love that. that. I would love <laughs> to do that. What it, what it reminds me of, and everybody pretty much is aware of, is the patting on top of the head and rubbing the stomach. Oh, yeah. You know how that's kind of hard? Yes. <laughs> it's that kind of work, but which ends up being more, it's more brain work than it is muscle work. But what you're doing is re-educating the muscles on how to work functionally. Okay. Yeah. Another quick question, right that, <laughs> another something that I thought was really fascinating, like in your bio, you mentioned that, um, you know, yoga and Ayurveda, they're ancient sciences, sciences rather, but they, they're, you, there are like a roadmap for today's living. Can you elaborate a little bit on that and what you mean by that and, and how we can access that? that <laughs> well, the roadmap it is the philosophy of yoga there it when I began studying um, it opened 
my eyes to a different way of being and different perspectives that I had never been exposed to before. So, and we are hearing some of it, which some people think it's, it's um, new ways of thinking, but it's, it's really interesting to see on social media, some of the things that, that are being said that um, really are from the ancient wisdom of yoga, such as we are one with nature. Nature is, you know, is a big healing aspect. That's that. And that's another big part of my practice is, is really, really trying to get people to be out in nature because it has innate healing abilities that because we are part of it and we've really disconnected from that. So that's one of, that's one of the pieces of philosophy. There are many, many, many others, but it just is always intriguing to me how this, how the, how these ancient yogis were able to really distill down these philosophies that transcend time. They just really transcend time. And the more we get away from our true nature, the nature outside, and the more we disconnect from that, the, um, the less we feel right, the less we feel good. So um, that's, that's just one of the philosophies. But that's what I mean by the road. The roadmap is the philosophies of yoga and Ayurveda. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, with Ayurveda, I think it's I think it's super fascinating, just because it is so old and so practiced by other cultures, you know, by the the Eastern culture. And how can we incorporate, I guess, our Western ideas? in as far as like the Ayurvedic ideas of nutrition, I suppose that's where I'm heading. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How do we incorporate our Western mindset with kind of those Eastern Ayurvedic principles? Right. The first thing is just education and learning, uh, you know, a little bit about Ayurveda. And I would say the easiest way to begin integrating those ideas are to begin to follow our circadian rhythms, our circadian rhythms of the day, and of the seasons. That is a, that's the, one of the foundations of yoga is to honor our days, honor our seasons, honor our own individual constitution, our own individual makeup of nature and our time of life, which what we need and how we need to be supported changes throughout our life. Absolutely. Yeah. So that I, those are the biggest and easiest things uh, that Ayurveda has to offer to inter- integrate into our life. And then, you know, with that comes our food choices, which we, you know, we try to eat in season um, with, with whatever area that you're in, you know, whatever that season is in, in the area that you live. So that's the easiest way to inter- integrate Ayurveda into your life to begin with, you know? And what does that look like um, as far as the, I guess the healing aspects of that Ayurvedic nutrition? Um, So we all know that, you know, nutrition impacts all aspects of life. So Mm -hmm. specifically does Ayurvedic nutrition impact maybe this trauma healing aspect of things that we're talking about? Well, 
that our food is, that is what gives us life, right? Yes. So if we're doing that in accordance to our own nature, it, it supports our healing if we're getting what we need and we're actually absorbing the nutrients that we put into our body. We can, we can eat the best food in the world. And if we're not absorbing it into our body, it's really not doing us any good. Right. So um, Ayurveda focuses, it does focus a lot on food and what's right for the individual person, but it also focuses a lot on the way we eat and our mindset when we eat. Um, you know, since Ayurveda was... For in, example, what would be like a mindset when we eat? When, when we eat, we don't, we really want to avoid eating in, um, if we're not in a good mood, <laughs> if mm. we're angry, if mm. we are angry, our physio physiology is going to be different than if we're in a mode of gratitude, which is why we pray before our meals, right? Yes. You know, um, mm. a lot of the ancient religions, they have, you know, our religions have that, have that figured out. You know, we give gratitude before we eat our meals. Mm -hmm. We eat in a relaxed state. We, we, try not to eat while we're driving or while we're walking or, you know, mm. try to, to sit down, really be mindful about what we're eating, not multitask while we're eating. Our body's going to be able to absorb those nutrients a lot better. And we're going to, we're going to eat more since we're eating more mindfully, we're only going to eat what we need. We're not going to overeat. Um, or there's going to be a less of a chance for that. So it, Ayurveda focuses a lot on those things. Very interesting because I am sure a lot of people here, and I mean, in this world, they eat while they are driving or they working. eat, working. I, I eat and work at the same time. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah. So that's, you know, the, a lot of what we, what we, what we do in Ayurveda is lifestyle shifts. We try to shift things, um, And some of them are more difficult than others. You know, some of our, our habits are very strong. It takes a while and over time to change them. So we start out small. And one thing I love about yoga and Ayurveda is there are so many tools. If something isn't resonating with somebody, then there's, there's something else we can do. So we, there's a lot of different ways in which we can work. As far as the nutrition aspect of Ayurveda, I think I read on your website or maybe another site, I can't remember which one, but that there are like, you identify a person by certain elements. Yes, correct. How is that? Water, fire, air. And I right. And this is, this is earth. one of the fun things of Ayurveda that people, um, people really like. It's, you know, it, Ayurveda recognizes our whole world as made up of five elements. And those elements are space, air, which is the actual movement of wind, um, fire, water, and earth. And if you think of those elements, think about their qualities. We, we went from the most subtle to the most gross, the heaviest. Mm -hmm. So within Ayurveda, it's it, everything in our world is made up of some aspect of those elements. So what makes Regina, Regina 
is that combination. And what makes Sean, Sean is, is a com the combination of those elements, the amount of each of those elements in me. So that's what makes us all different. So if we honor that, then we all, we all need something a little bit different when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to our well-being overall, as far as our lifestyle, um, that's kind of, that's our basis. That's our foundation. We've, we've kind of figure out what somebody is constitutionally, figure out what's not in balance with their constitution and then work toward balance. And it's a, it's, it, it, it's not like we get there and we're done because things are constantly changing. The days change, the seasons change, our, our life changes and, you know, our stress levels change every, you know, there's so much that changes. It's, you know, we're constantly juggling. So we have to adjust what we're doing in order for us to feel our best. Yeah, so uh, the message that the takeaway that I'm getting from that is that it is a lifelong process. It is. We are always changing. It is. And it, it, it you know, it can, it can be really easy and then get really complicated and overwhelming really quickly. <laughs> and then we pull it back to eat to, to easy and simple again. Um, you know, it is a whole re-education process on our, on our being on, you know, how we, how we move throughout the world. It's, it's completely different than anything that we think about in the West. And do, do the practices of yoga and Ayurveda, do they go hand in hand or are they kind of two separate ones? Or do you have to like, if you do one, do the other? They're, they really go hand in hand. Ayurveda is the ancient medical um, wisdom and science from India. And, and yoga was, Ayurveda was more about how to keep our physical body healthy while we're here on earth and yoga is a little more focused on the spiritual realm and um, you know, making ourselves the best we can be in, in kind of following a, a spiritual path, but they, they go hand in hand. They, they don't really contradict each other. They, they go hand in hand. Ayurveda offers a lot of lifestyle very specific lifestyle um, suggestions to bring us back in balance for our doshas. When you say like Ayurveda and, and bringing your, you back in balance. So is it, I know that I, I have this thing, this idea in my head, you know, probably I've seen on TV. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> but it's like a lot, very focused on herbs and kind of like that, those like teas. Right. Well, that's part of it. And again, that's one, that's kind of one of the, what, whatever we gravitate toward in the West, that's usually what's pulled out, right? Just like yoga with yoga and the, and the physical practices with Ayurveda here in the West, we really just like to take a pill and be done. <laughs> Sadly like, true. Oh, yeah. We could just take this pill and I'll be better. So um, we've kind of gravitated toward let's just drink this tea and everything will be better, mm -hmm. which there are some great teas in Ayurveda. There are some great herb formulas. So herbs are, are a layer and also spices are a layer. And I, I like to focus on having people spice their foods. So using that food piece 
and spices as a quote unquote medicine to help bring them back into balance before we move into the herb layer. Okay. <laughs> um, because if some, you know, if it's really hard to make shifts, if you're not willing to shift what you're doing first, before you start, uh, start adding those um, medicinal pieces. Um, some of them can really help us get over the hump with, with some things. Um, but lifestyle shifts are, they're so powerful and they don't have to be difficult and they have really no bad side effects. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's really a great way to start is with, with the lifestyle, but, but herbs are definitely a part of Ayurveda. Okay. Um, for example, if somebody came in to have a consultation with you, do you generally start with like that, that basic kind of Ayurveda lifestyle change and then move into yoga or does it really just depend on what they It really depends on what their, what their situation is. If they, if they come in, um, I mean, I have people come in for different reasons. Some people come in because they have structural issues. They might have pain in a certain part of their body that they just want gone. (laughs) they really don't care a whole lot about (laughs) learning yoga per se, but they want their pain gone. So that's one thing. Some people come because they have a lot of anxiety. They're dealing with a lot of anxiety. Actually, it's probably number one that I get is, is the anxiety piece. So again, if somebody's coming in with digestive issues, we go a different way. So if somebody's coming in with anxiety, we'll probably focus on breathwork practices. First, the education piece on why we would do these breathwork practices, and then some re-education of the body with actually teaching them a breathwork practice to get started with, mm-hmm. you know, and then kind of move from there. If somebody's coming in with structural issues, we might work with those somatics to help to begin unlocking whatever muscles are chronically gripping. So it really just depends. It's, it's very unique to what somebody's dealing with. For example, if I look for you and I want a therapy because I have anxiety issues uh, and you start doing that, uh, I mean, that therapy with me, but you find that my issue is not uh, anxiety. I have another issue. I mean, that happens. Oh yeah. I mean, there's always layers to this mm-hmm. and usually what's on the surface Mm-hmm. is on, on, is on the surface, <laughs> you know, um, just like Regina said with the chronic pain and, you know, it, it's really not separate. There's, there's really no quote unquote separate issues. They're mm-hmm. all kind of wrapped up in one. Um, so, yeah, so, so it just, so so you do, do you find that while you are doing the therapy with the person, with the client? Sometimes it's always a self-discovery practice, always. I may prompt questions that makes them think about things that that they may then come to a realization that there's something more going on here. So that's, you know, that's, that's the difference between talk therapy and yoga therapy go very well together. Because uh, this isn't necessary. We do talk, obviously, we Mm -hmm. talk in sessions. But what we really do is work through the body. So it's, it's rather than talk therapy is considered a top down therapy. Mm -hmm. So we work with 
the mind and the brain to, to get to the body. We work with the body through the body to the mind. So maybe somebody who is, you know, like the people that we work with, the survivors we work with, there may be another aspect where they need that sort of that traditional talk therapy combined with this yoga therapy for the, the body. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, they go really well together because a lot of times the things that end up coming up, you know, while they're doing the physical practices or just the realization they have as they're really integrating back into their body, you know, if they have a relationship with a, um, with a psychotherapist, it's then, then it gives them new insight on, you know, how to process in that way. I imagine that it can be also a very emotional experience for some people, um, especially people who have gone through either sexual or domestic violence, refeeling things in their body um, through this process. Absolutely. And that's why we do things very slowly and at a pace that feels okay for somebody. And we let it okay to let the emotion come up. It's, it's, it is there, whether it's held in your body or you release it. And sometimes I'll equate it to, um, like a pressure cooker, you know, either you're holding it inside of your body or it comes out, you know, and a lot of times it feels a lot better after it comes out. So, you know, and, and again, since we're working with the body and like you said, that's, that definitely happens. We definitely have those moments of um, emotional release, but we're not talking about the trauma over and over and over again, which at a point, I don't feel like that's helpful anymore. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's kind of like you get on the cycle, but then once you can reintegrate back into your body and start feeling your body again and release some of that, that can be a step forward. It's not always an easy step forward, but in my opinion, it's easier than holding on to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely makes yeah. sense. But I, but somebody does have to be re- ready, and um, and like I said, we 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 try to move in a way that feels okay for them to start, how, whatever that is. We don't start we don't start at the highest load, you know. Um, a lot of people are afraid when they come in that I'm going to ask them to meditate, <laughs> and they they're like that is the last place that I want to be is to sit down and thinking about meditating. And it's like, Nope, that's not what I would ask you to do. Cause I realized that's a high load. That's a high load asking somebody to do, but to have somebody pay attention to the way they're breathing for two or three minutes a day is a lot less load. And it's a step. There's always steps to get to the goal. So who, who should consider these alternative treatments for trauma healing? Um, are there like certain types of trauma that wouldn't be a good fit or can this really fit just about everyone? I I would say it could fit anybody that is open to it, curious about it and willing to learn that, that is the, the, that's the main, those are the main prerequisites that you're, you're interested and you want to learn something different, something different. And do you think that there's anybody that 
maybe should steer away from this type of anybody with like trauma that should steer away from this type of alternative therapy or is basically anybody can. I really think anybody can, like I said, it's not thinking of um, yoga from our Western standpoint, from an exercise fitness standpoint, I wouldn't say everybody should just walk into any kind of yoga class that definitely I would, I would not recommend. Um, but I think anybody could go to a yoga therapist that a certified yoga therapist that is trained and work with them and gain some benefit because there isn't anything physically that could, that would prohibit you. If you are breathing, there are yoga practices that you can do. So whatever your physical ability is, you're, you definitely can do yoga. So then it can span, you know, the range of ages too, all the way up to 90s <laughs> if you needed. <laughs> uh, you know, if you're infirmed in bed, you can do yoga practices. Oh, wow. So it, that, and that's another, you know, that's another big misconception. A lot of people are like, well, I'll do it after I lose 10 pounds or I'll do it when it's like the best time is right now, exactly the way you are, you know, show up exactly the way you are. Um, and that's another big lesson of yoga. Exactly how you are right now is perfect. Oh, I love that because <laughs> as somebody who is plus size, it is super intimidating. You know, the idea of going into a yoga studio and seeing everybody in their little leotards and doing all kinds of contortionist poses and I mean, that's really what has kept me from going into those sorts of places. So yeah. And I, you know, everybody is awesome. Exactly. And I feel for you and I, I really, it makes me sad that that's where our yoga practice is in the West. And I do feel it is shifting, um, but it's too slow to shift Mm -hmm. (laughs) in my opinion. And, um, you know, everybody can use these tools. Everybody can. So and learn these skills. Yeah, I love that. Um, So kind of as we like wrap up towards the end of the show, you'd mentioned either like some brain, brain body work, (laughs) breathing, or could, would you, so as we wrap up the show, would you, would you guide us in something? (laughs) Yeah, I would love to. Um, and I'll set it up a little bit. So we will do, we'll do a little bit of breath work practice just to get ourselves into our body. And then what we'll do is a somatic twist. And again, it's kind of like rubbing your belly and patting your head. So if it, if it doesn't click in your system the first time, it's, it's perfectly normal and it's fine. Just come to it with uh, the mind of a curious child and, and playfulness, be playful with it and try it again at another time. So what we'll do is um, we'll twist the, twist the body in different directions. So you'll just listen to my audible cue. You don't, um, all you have to do is, is audibly listen to this, which I know, um, you know, the people listening can't see me, which is fine. So find yourself in a chair Find your comfortable seat, maybe with your feet planted on the floor. And then if it's comfortable for you, just soften the gaze into your lap or even close your eyes. Again, you decide what's comfortable for you today. 
And just notice how your physical body is feeling. And maybe scan from the crown of the head all the way down to the toes. Just noticing if you can soften anywhere in the body and be curious about that. And then bring your attention to your breath and just notice your breath coming in through the nostrils. And notice if it's in the chest or in the low belly. And if it is in the chest, just notice on your next ex inhale, if you can drop that breath down into the lower part of the belly, just engaging that respiratory diaphragm, softening the upper chest. And then we'll slowly begin our somatic twists. And just to set this up a little bit, moving the body in this way very quickly shifts the nervous system from a hypervigilant fight flight state into a rest, renew, heal part of our nervous system. Because the system is getting the message that you are safe because you would not be moving in this way if you were in danger. So keep that breath low and slow in the belly. That also informs the nervous system that you're safe. And bring your hands together like you're in prayer and bring the thumbs to the sternum and the tips of the middle finger to your chin. And we're gonna do this just to keep the nose in line with the sternum. So the hands are gonna kind of help to keep the head and the neck straight here for just a moment. Take a nice inhale and a nice exhale. And another one. And as you begin your next exhale, begin keep keeping the head and the nose in line with the sternum, begin twisting the torso to the right, just as far as the torso wants to move. It might only be a few inches. Yeah, and then whenever you, whenever you find a stopping point, then just stop, take another deep breath. And an exhale. Now keeping the torso right where it is, begin turning the neck to the left. So turn just the neck and you can let the fingertips come off the chin now. Let the neck turn just as far as the head wants to turn, keeping the torso where it is. Yes. Take a nice inhale and exhale here. And now keeping the torso right where it is keeping the head right where it is. Now turn just the eyes, even if they're closed, turn the eyes to the right. 
And then hold the eyes in that position and inhale and exhale. Soften the shoulders, soften anything that can soften. Notice if anything tensed up there. Two more inhales and exhales. And on your next exhale, gently let everything ro rotate back to center. Nice. Now we're gonna take a couple inhales and exhales here in center. We'll realign our thumbs to the sternum, the fingertips to the chin. And we're gonna move in the opposite direction. So on your next exhale, begin turning the torso to the left, keeping the nose in line with the sternum. Find your stopping point. And inhale and exhale there. And on your next exhale, let the chin come off of the fingertips and begin moving to the right. keeping the torso right where it is. And find your comfortable stop point. Inhale and exhale. Nice, slow, deep breaths down into the belly. And now on your next exhale, keeping your torso right where it is, keeping your head right where it is. Turn your eyes to the left. Three inhales and exhales here. On your next exhale, let everything rotate back to center. And you can lower your hands. Take one more nice inhale and exhale. And slowly open your eyes back up into your lap if they were closed and then come back into the room together. And take a couple nice cleansing breaths. And just notice whatever you notice here. It's not unusual to feel a little bit dizzy or lightheaded. And if that is the case, again, that's the nervous system doing its really quick shift. So what's helpful is to just pat the outside of your body, maybe pat your arms, pat your chest a little bit. That kind of helps to bring the nervous system back, helps to ground us. Yeah, and then we can come back into the room together.
And then that's the end of the somatic twist. Wow. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) I know at the start, like when we first started, I felt I've been having kind of an anxious day. So yes, very relaxing. Like like the, the breathing was, I I noticed that I was breathing in my, my chest and not my belly. So Mm -hmm. I feel much better. <laughs> yeah. And a big part of the yoga therapy practice is that is a lot of noticing. We do a lot of noticing things. And through that noticing, that's where the awareness comes and the attention and then the possibility for shifts. Yeah. Awesome. I loved it. All right. So we want to just thank Sean for being here today and encourage everyone to visit Empowered Paths health coaching website at empoweredpathshealthcoaching.com and schedule an appointment to speak with Sean about starting your own health journey. So as we close this episode, I want to remind everyone to take a few minutes and take care of yourself. If you have had an unwanted sexual experience and want to speak with an advocate, please call our helpline at 812-932-7233. Our advocates are available to speak with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in to our next episode with special guest Leah Green from the Resource Sharing Project on how the community can facilitate healing for adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse in creative ways. Thanks for tuning again in. Thank you so much again, Sean, for being with us. And until next time. Thank you, everyone.